0: Welcome to the Weave Podcast. My name is Sarah Resnick and I'm the host of this podcast and the owner of the online weaving yarn shop, Gist Yarn and Fiber. Hi everyone. Today I'm sharing another one of my favorite reruns from the Weave Podcast Archive. We'll be back with all new episodes again next week. This one is with Liz Gibson, rigid heddle weaver and teacher and founder of Yarn Worker. If you're a Rigid Heddle Weaver and intrigued by what you hear on this podcast, make sure that you stay tuned for our Rigid Heddle Weaver's Playbox collaboration that Liz and I will be launching on Friday, January 11th. Supplies are very limited and we expect to sell out. So make sure if you are signed up for my email list, if you want to know when they launch. And now on to the episode. Liz Gibson is passionate about inspiring weavers to weave and spinners to spin. She is a former managing editor of handwoven and spin-off magazines, and has also made many guest appearances on lots of how to craft programming. And she's an author of books about rigid heddle weaving. And she's also the founder of Yarn Worker, which is a resource for rigid heddle weavers. And Liz, I've really been looking forward to getting to talk to you today. Thanks for coming on the podcast. Welcome.
1: Me too. I am so happy to be here and I am thrilled to have a weaving podcast out there in the world. So, yay.
0: It's so (laughs) much fun to put together and to get to talk to lots of people like you. (laughs) How did you first find your way towards weaving and spinning? Uh, You know, I think it found me, um, like
1: many of us. I don't know why um, it has been just part of my life for as long as I can remember. Um, but child, I had early childhood experiences that, you know, we have lots of experiences as children where we get to try on a lot of different hats. And for some reason, weaving is what stuck with me. I saw that loom and, and I was, um, that was it. (laughs) Yeah. Um, and that, that, first for me i first encountered weaving when um my mom was an occupational therapy aide in the 70s and she worked on the psychiatric ward of the university of virginia hospital um, which always makes my students a little nervous when i say i learned to weave on the psych ward Mm -hmm. (laughs) (laughs) Um, but at that time occupational therapy and weaving were were very much synonymous and cindy lally who ran the workshop there was my idol i just thought she was the coolest white bun lady in the universe and um she would let me come and play around the looms and she would throw the shuttle and i would run around to one side and grab it and then she'd throw it back and i'd run around to the other side and i would nap under the looms and it was just an amazing experience so when it came time to think about what do i want to be when i grow up i i've I thought of Cindy and thought what she did was pretty cool. Um, so kept pursuing that path.
0: What an introduction to weaving. <laughs> did you study textiles in college or how did you keep going with it?
1: Kind of. Yeah, I um, I took a circuitous route to college. So um, I dropped out of high school and wandered around and did lots of different things. And when it came back time, thank goodness for community college systems to uh, all my friends were going back to college, so it was about time I did too. I thought about occupational therapy, and um, some friends and I decided for a change of scene, so we moved to Fort Collins. Um, they were in the forestry, agriculture world, and they had an occupational therapy program. So I took the prerequisites for that class, and fortunate enough for me, CSU also had a fiber arts department, um, run by Tom Lumberg and he really welcomed me with open arms. So I took, uh, at that time you could still get a minor in fiber arts and then did the prerequisites for occupational therapy and promptly did not get in. So um, and it, it turned out to be a good thing because OT and weaving had very little to do with each other anymore and I, I don't think it would have been a career path I would have been happy with. Um, so not knowing what to do i sort of my first uh lemons to lemonade moment i went off to new zealand and studied wool science Um, i moved over to the social economics program where they had a little bit of a self-designed structure you had to take a core number of hours in one of the social science disciplines economics being one of them and um i did two semesters at lincoln university in Christchurch and, um, looked at value added agriculture. So mostly, you know, farm to table before farm to table was a farm was even a thing. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Nobody (laughs) thought it was very cool back then, um, except a, a wee few. And I came back and, and finished up and I never did all the, uh, art history to get my minor, but I certainly had an amazing experience there as well. Um, it's a, it's a fiber arts program. So they were really focused on the art side. I just really wanted to make cloth. So I would have, um, late nights in the studio where I would just say, okay, yardage by tomorrow, you have to be art. I don't know what that's going to be, but but (laughs) we'll we'll see. And, um, I, I learned a lot about craftsmanship. Some of the my technical skills, I joined the local fiber arts guilds and um, went to meetings and just talked to a lot of the women and men there who who also helped me further some of my weaving chops. So it was an amazing resource too. I was really lucky, you know, Fort Collins just by pure chance and luck is an amazing hub for the fiber arts community. Um, and. I I just had no idea, by randomly choosing that program, how lucky I would be.
0: And you started working for Interweave Press in 2001. How did you land that job? Well, uh,
1: they say it's not what you know, but who you know. Mm -hmm. And (laughs) um, I think certainly I had some of the what. But while I was at uh, CSU, the a graduate student there, and I, Amy Clark Moore, and I became friends. We've been lifelong friends for almost thirty years now. And um, I was doing my normal bopping around. I had gone down to the Navajo Reservation and worked on a project, and I had gone up to Estes Park and did some things. And in the meantime, she had gotten a job at Interweave and had been promoted to editor of Spinoff magazine. And they were looking for an assistant editor so amy contacted me and said hey this job is open i think it could be a good fit um or we were talking and she, i don't i don't remember which direction it went but at the time she had also organized well she hadn't marilyn murphy had organized um color which was a natural dyed conference that interweave used to put on it well actually i think it only happened once and i had volunteered for that amy had recruited me i got to be a workshop assistant for john marshall which was amazing Mm -hmm. and i met marilyn murphy who I'd also met through a leadership program so these sort of circuitous because it's such a, a networked community you know you go to one fiber event and you meet these people who do these things so when it came time to interview for the job I kept running into people i knew so i had done some work with weaver Real peace which was close to linda liggins heart um and it was founded by uh deborah who had writ- written learning to weave and so there there's just all these connections so um they offered me the job and i said yay it was part time you know it wasn't really uh it, it was not that many hours but i couldn't say no <laughs> <laughs> I had
0: to do it. And and you later became the managing editor of Handwoven Magazine. And I'm curious, what is a day in the life or a week in the life like in a gig like that?
1: Well, um, you know, Amy used to joke that a managing editor manages editors, which um, wasn't the case. One of my superpowers, I think, is project management. Um, and I... Really, I was a spinner and I love spinning, but spinning was my hobby. I knew a lot about sheep, you know, and I I knew basic spinning technique, but taking that yarn and turning it into cloth is what makes my heart sing. And Madeline Vanderhoot had uh, recently come in as editor and she was off site. So this is an interweave that was uh, 2001. They had only had email in office for not that long. so you know, gosh, how long ago is that? 18 years ago, 17 mm-hmm. years ago. So technology and publishing was on the cusp of everything was radically changing. And so having an offsite editor, they really needed somebody onsite who could uh, coordinate everything and manage the pieces and parts of the magazine. So, um, you know, she really focused on the project-based core vision of the magazine and I worked on what I like to call the soft stuff. So, you know, the storytelling, the organizing, the departments, the photo shoots, the, uh, working within teams, we created, you know, we'd started publishing digital projects. Our team was the first one to develop a digital product, which was a PDF of, <laughs> you know, the best of handwoven, which mm-hmm. at the time was radical, but is now pretty, you know, passe. Um, not the material, but the delivery, I mean, figuring out how to deliver a PDF to sell to people was a major challenge. (laughs) So now we have all kinds of resources, you know, Ravelry was just coming on the scene. Um, so, you know, it, it, it's and and it was also working with an entire organization that was just geared towards publishing that looked a certain way. Um, and all the systems were changing. It was very vertical roles. You know, you had a designer, you had an editor, you had, uh, you know, marketing, and and people worked. And at the time, from two thousand and one until I left in two thousand and nine, um, those strict roles were changing. Weaving Made Easy was the first book that was shot in house in the basement with a digital camera for step by step photography. So at that before then we used mostly illustration, um, and you know I remember we shot all the photos and working with Ann Swanson who was the fabulous um, photo stylist, and then you know we hadn't quite gotten the floor right, so we had to shoot them all again. <laughs> so <laughs> it was it was a lot of uh, learning on the job.
0: Um, and yeah. so you mentioned weaving made easy, which is a fantastic book you wrote for rigid heddle, rigid heddle weavers, and I'm. Curious if we could dive into what it is about rigid heddle weaving that you love so much and why you're drawn to teach it.
1: Well, you know, um, I think of the rigid heddle as the sweet spot between the frame loom and the floor loom. And, um, you know, weaving is having another moment. And that moment was starting back in um, 2008. 2006, 2007, um, you know, right around that time, all these furry yarns were popular, and Ashford got busy redesigning their loom. So, most of the rigid huddle looms prior to that were fully functioning looms, but they were all due, and technology allowed manufacturers to do some different things. So, they redesigned their loom, um, they were coming out with some pretty clever patterns, and as an organization, we thought it's, you know, it's time to, to look at our own publishing platform. There's a way to bring out a new book. And we sort of, you know, through a whole a range of circuitous, fortuitous events for me, I, I had the opportunity to do that. And um, the book was not named when we did it. We really wanted a fundamental beginning book. And Jane Patrick had just written Time to Weave, which was an off-loom book. And she was really itching to get to a Weaver's Idea book. Her her goal was really to show people the breadth of this loom. My love has always been to get people weaving, to just experience the craft, to sit down at a loom, to make cloth. And working in the publishing environment, you know, magazines are very much about inspiration. Um, you know, education is not their purpose. It's about creating something glorious. But you have to know things. When you read a magazine, there are things you need to know in order to read, to make that happen. And at the point of, I didn't really realize it would be so pivotal, but Writing Weaving Made Easy was that first step towards really focusing on the know-how it takes to make cloth and um, become a teacher. Because cracking that nut is what keeps people from I mean, I just talked to so many people who say, it's always been my dream to weave. It's always been my dream to weave. And I think the rigid heddle loom and focusing on that fundamental know-how is the way to help people make that dream a reality. And I love the work. I just love it. Hmm. Um, yeah.
0: Yeah, it definitely seems like weaving and rigid heddle weaving is is in a big moment. I get questions. Um, almost every day from brand new rigid heddle weavers who are Yay! getting new looms. <laughs> and they're really curious about what are the first few projects they should try out and what kind of yarn they could use and I can tell that um, some of them are trying to figure out how to adapt patterns that are meant for floor looms for rigid heddle looms or they're just trying to figure out like what are the first few things that they should make and I'm curious if you have a first two or three projects that you recommend for people as they start learning their loom
1: well, there's all you know, and weaving made easy. Its its subtitle should have been "Ode to Plain Weave," um, and and it was an attempt at that time. So the scarf. I mean, that is the fundamental project to start out with. But when Weaving Made Easy was published, that was when yarns were taking off too. It wasn't just the looms were changing, but the 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 kinds of yarns we have available today are um exponentially wider and more varied than yarns we had 10 15 years ago indie dyers um local the local movement curated yarns um highly specialized yarns they are uh all available to the rigid huddle weaver i think when people think weaving they see you know there are only there are a couple magazines hand-woven vav um uh you know it all is focused on the floor loom. And so they look at those yarns and those projects, and that's sort of what they think of with weaving. With the rigid heddle, almost any knitting yarn can be used. The only um, parameter is, is it strong enough to hold up for work? And within the rigid heddle, that that is such a smaller parameter. I have a video on my YouTube channel where I walk through the simple pinch and pull test which sort of takes you through a simple test you can use to mimic the tension that your yarns will be put under, under the loom. And so most likely the yarns you have in your stash can be used for um, any of that weaving. And I, as far as projects, I, I think about, I teach at New Mexico Tech. Um, so I take a, teach a semester long class to beginners, weaving for engineers, if you will. Um, And we start with a scarf, variegated yarns in the warp, solids in the weft, or vice versa, to get a handle on what's going on. And you can use some delicious yarns for that. Hmm. Then we move on, I mean, we're talking squares and rectangles, right? Um, That's what weaving does. And we move Mm -hmm. on to the hand towel, which is the weaver's muse. When I first started weaving, I too thought, why is everybody weaving towels? <laughs> I didn't really get it, but I get it now. Um, it is, as a foodie myself, the joy that you get of using something, having a handwoven kitchen is amazing. Plus, they don't wear out, and you get the exact dimensions you need for your kitchen. I, I live in a, a refurbished church. Every, all the dimensions here are very funky. So the fact that I can make something that fits my space is amazing. Um, But I'm partial to weaving for the home. So that tends to be I'm not so much a wearables gal. Um, And the last little project we do in the semester class is we do a little mini rug. So we look at more weft face weaves um, because this area is so abundant with that style of weaving, but also our materials. So we use churro yarn, a good, nice um, cotton carpet warp, and churro, and I'm a happy camper for a lot of days. <laughs>
0: mm-hmm. That sounds great. When so, when you do, do walk people through towels, are you using like an eight-four cotton, or are you using eight-two doubled up, or? Yeah.
1: So for rigid heddle, when I start out weavers, so on the cover of Weaving Made Easy, there's a towel that is very fundamental to how I first teach it. It uses a craft cotton, so you're thinking of an eight-four, um, you know, and is is readily available. There are certain varying levels of quality of those worst, more worsted DK weight cottons. And then I weave with an 8-2. So you set it at about 8 and you weave with a thin yarn and that gives you really powerful color work. You know, the stripes stand out and I'll weave the hems in a lighter um, uh, weight. So you weave with 8-2 so your hems are small. So, you know, a lot of rigid heddle weavers, when they start, they get a 15-inch loom, they have an eight-dent heddle, and that kind of fabric is is available to them. I mean, it's a very approachable project. Um, And then we will work into doubling up eight twos and a ten-dent to get more uh, finer, drapier, you know, more color work into the project itself. Um, but it's, it's a pretty core, even with all these abundant yarns out there, I certainly have a pantry that I use my staples, which are eight to, um, and cotton. I'm partial towards the, uh, organics. Louette has a really fabulous organic cotton, um, worsted weight Cotylins and cotton, um, Really make up the bulk and and mercerized some mercerized cottons in there three two sets well it's a little warp faced for uh, twelve dent rigid heddle um, because again weaving for the home that's kind of what I do
0: <laughs> mm-hmm. and how do you help people think through which rigid heddle loom they should buy or what they should buy for their second or third loom as people often yeah <laughs> <jump to. laughs> I
1: know you know you need more than one <laughs> my ideal set set up is a 25 inch loom on a stand and a 10 inch smaller loom. And, and I'm a shacked girl. Um, I say that most, cause when I left interweave, I went to work for Shacht. So I was their mm-hmm. sales and marketing director for two years. And I, I learned so much about manufacturing and, and loom mechanics there. So it's a product I know well. Um, but, and all of the major loom manufacturers, Ashford, Kromsky, uh, Majikraft, Glamocra, have all gotten busy redesigning their looms, and they're all fabulous for different reasons. Um, I have some blog posts I've explored. You know, in the Weave Alongs, we get a lot of people who use are using different looms. Primarily what I see are Kromsky's Ashfords and Shacks. I'm I'm partial to looms that have Beams. So all rigid heddles have a cloth beam and a warp beam, but some rigid heddles also have a front beam and a back beam. And what that does is um, it allows you to put on a longer warp that keeps your shed consistent for a longer time. So um, some folks will suddenly get their layers start coming at different uh, tensions. And that's if you don't have a beam and you exceed a warp length of two and a half, three yards, the cloth on the beam can start pushing up on the warp itself, and that can cause the shed to go wonky. Um, So I really like that about the the shack looms, the flip and the cricket both have front and back beams. Um, And then there are features. You know, we just did a weave along where we tackled the Hudson Bay throw in handwoven Home, and um, I took a deep dive into heddle blocks. So the heddle block configuration, when you when you step up to two heddles, can make a big difference in, in which style of loom you pick. But it really goes back somewhat to the advice when people ask me about spinning wheels, if you can try some out, try them out. There'll be ones that you like better than others. But the most important thing is just get your hands on a loom and start trying because it won't be your only loom. You will, you will definitely, even if you're a floor loom weaver, it will not yep. be your only loom. And so I, I see a lot of beginners putting a lot of pressure on themselves to make the perfect choice. And I say, just get one. Um, ideally, get one that is, I do recommend a new loom over a used loom, unless it's a, a used fairly new loom. If you can get one with a manual, you really want a rigid huddle loom that's been rethought um, in the last five, six years because they are vastly different and vastly improved from looms of yesteryear. Yeah.
0: What are the biggest challenges that people who are new to rigid heddle weaving are facing and how do you help people troubleshoot that?
1: Um, you know, I asked a survey. So every two years, I send out a survey to my um, uh, folk and on my mailing list. And um, last time I asked him a, a single question that said, if time and money were off the table, because that always seems to be the barrier, what keeps you from weaving more? And hmm. the number one answer was yarn. You know, this it's still a stumbling block. What yarns can I weave with? And how do I approach it? Um, what do I do? And so I spend a lot of time talking about yarn. I have a, I have the Weaver's Guide to Swatching, which is my self-published book. And um, this summer I'm finishing up a Weaver's Guide to Yarn, which is sort of bringing together the learning I've had in conversation. So um, the for the past two, gosh, how long have we been doing? Two years, we've been having these weave-alongs and it's, you know, I, I started Yarn Worker in 2000 and When? <laughs> sometime 2013 um and but the weave alongs just have allowed me to interact on a daily basis with weavers and sort of aggregate the challenges that they have so so yarn challenges and then densities how do i pick my set and and how do i make those marriages happen where i get the fabric i'm looking for and um you know i Under the tutelage of Madeline Vanderhoot, and I'll go back to that interweave life again, when I was working for her, she would drop everything. I mean, we would be on hot deadline, gotta get it done if a weaver had a question. It was, and I I sort of, I mean, I admired her for it, but I didn't get it. And now I get it because it is the most satisfying thing in the world to do is to answer a weaver's question. and have the answer that they need to get them to the next step, to keep them from being stuck. But I didn't know how to do it in a way that was manageable for me. So having the Yarn Worker community means that I can be available to weavers for their questions in a way that we sort of stay focused and on topic and we're not pulled all over the place. so that, I sort of drifted from your core question.
0: <laughs> well, that gets me to what I want to ask you about, which is can you tell me and everybody out there what your yarn worker school of weaving is and how it works and how people can join and things like that?
1: Yeah, so that was another uh, a lemons to lemonade moment, a big one. Um, it started very haphazardly, as do most things in our lives, um, where I had... Um, you know, I've been a freelancer since 2011 and or 10 something. And, um, I taught a lot. So I was on the road doing the road gigs. And one summer I, I was just every weekend I was going somewhere else. So for the first time ever, I shipped my, I promise this relates, I shipped my samples (laughs) (laughs) and you know, I had been at interweave forever and we ship things all the time. So I thought, well, what can go wrong? Right. Well, they were involved in a a literal train wreck. Oh,
0: no. (laughs) So
1: half, half the teaching samples were just gone. Oh,
0: no. Um,
1: It was a really hard moment. (laughs) Um, Because it's just, you know, I mean, yes, you get the yarn back, but the time and so much of the teaching that I do, you really have to show people the cloth and talk to them about how it's made in order to get them sort of to get it. So I thought, well, what do I do now? And I had made a joke, you know, when we were shipping it, we were talking about insurance. And uh, it's like, well, if they lose this, I I should just quit. (laughs) (laughs) And so I thought, well, is that, are they trying to tell me something? But um, I happened to just be coming out with a new interweave workshop um, video on double weave on the rigid huddle. And it was one of the projects that went on walkabout. So, I just on a whim sort of asked my mailing list and on Facebook, Do you guys want to weave along with me? I think I'm going to try to reweave these samples, and it'd be great to have some company. So, I had no idea. (laughs) I had no idea that so many people would want to do that. And um, we had an amazing time, and I just sort of figured it out as I went, I started a private Facebook group, I wrote some blog posts, but when I started doing the videos, that's what really cemented it. So my, my other background skill, both when I was at Interweave and beyond was in video production and um, instructional design. So um, I, I love to edit video. Um, I had done Uh, I did Knitting Daily TV with Interweave. Um, My mom had been in television and is a small, is a radio journalist. So I had grown up with some of that in my background. So video production was um, one of the things I had started doing as a freelancer when I left Shack was to produce videos for yarn companies. So I did Strouch's videos. If you look at the Woolery, all their like how-to customer service videos were things that I had done um so i it's easier to show people like you know if a picture is worth a thousand words then a video is worth a million (laughs) and i started doing videos around the tricky bits um and that's when it all stuck but we were really spread out we were on facebook i was answering questions on ravelry things were coming in messenger i was getting stuff in my inbox it was crazy making and i really wanted it to continue so we we finished, we filled up my sample box in nine short months. I mean, we just kept going from one project to the next. And I had Jean Ahern, who is the darling of Ravelry and has taught so many folks to so weave, just randomly wove some things and sent them to me. I mean, it, mm-hmm. it, was, it was amazing. Um, and it just shows you why we love yarn people so much because they oh, are yeah. fabulous yeah. people. And um, so I thought, okay, Um, I also live, uh, in a small town in New Mexico and traveling so much to teach was, uh, it was, it was great. I mean, I love to travel to teach, but it was a lot, you know, getting on the road, leaving, coming back. It's not easy to get to the airport. You get there, you set up. So I, I sort of had this moment thinking, okay, the technology is there now to have an online school. So when I had been freelancing, I worked with Craftsy during their startup phase. So I worked as a producer getting their spinning and weaving content off the ground. And um, that was, you know, that was a game changer in our industry because no one had that platform. Now those platforms are kind of commonplace. Not that what Craftsy does isn't still its own thing, but uh, teachable, Thinkific, these other platforms allow those of us in real small niches to create bona fide online learning experiences that are more in line with my skills and, and what... the kind of experience I would really like to offer weavers. So the alongs continue, which are more of an intermediate. We have them quarterly. They're supported by an amazing, an amazing Patreon community. Um, so Patreon is a platform that funds artists and musicians use it and makers so they pledge a small monthly amount to keep the Weave Alongs going. I'm just launching a new one actually tomorrow, which is on the linen face cloths in handwoven home. Um, so we've been working through my new book from Interweave Handwoven Home and doing projects from there. So that the patrons get a vote on what we weave, and then we have a month where we do an introduction and a warping lesson and then we have a weaving lesson and fishing lesson and then we share it um and the patrons have a private Facebook group or there's discussion questions at the yarn worker school so you can go in that platform and ask questions um and it's just I I oh it's amazing (laughs) but part (laughs) part of that was which is more the project at the yarn worker school was I really wanted um to create a curriculum that would take somebody who knew nothing about weaving and walk them through the steps to feel like a confident weaver and I just released the second class in that you know i've, I've given myself a year ish to get them done so uh, weaving 101 was released in January, uh, Weaving 201 which is on color work. Um, was just released a few weeks ago. We're gonna tackle structures, densities, and then designing your own projects. So somebody can really take a, a cumulative, so each lesson builds on the other, as opposed to workshops, which are awesome, but they are workshops. You sort of learn this one thing and then you learn another thing. I'm trying to connect the dots with with that know-how. Yeah,
0: That's amazing. So how can people, get involved and join? What? Where should they go if they um, want to learn more?
1: Yeah, if you want to learn more, um, there's a yarnworkerschool.com is where the school is housed. Um, so you can go there. Uh, my home base is my website. So yarnworker.com has uh, links to Patreon, to the school. Um, it has frequently asked questions about the rigid huddle loom. So if there are new folks out there that are curious about the rigid huddle, it walks you through sort of what is a rigid heddle, how does it work, what you know, what's what yarns can I use? Um, I have uh, a list of resources, so books, websites, magazines, articles. So that's more general. Yarnworker I really is advocacy for the loom itself, and then from there you can become a patron. The weave alongs are free, so anybody who wants to join, the registration is opening up uh, uh, May twenty-third tomorrow for um, the next weave along. So that might be a great place to just jump in and see. They're a little more advanced beginner intermediate, the weave alongs, so the classes are more for beginners, fundamental. Yeah.
0: And is there anywhere on social media people can follow you? Oh, yeah,
1: that place.
0: (laughs) Um, (laughs) um, I'm most
1: active on Instagram. Everywhere I'm Yarn Worker. So um, Instagram and my Facebook page, um, at Yarn Worker. And I do have a Ravelry group. It's it's old since I don't know what number I was on Ravelry, but an early one. So I'm the cashmere kid on Ravelry. But we do have a Yarn Worker group
0: um, that you can jump on. And we're mildly active. Yeah. That's great. Well, you know, Liz, I really appreciate you taking the time to share your own experiences and all of this weavers I if if you know when I'm thinking about the kinds of questions that I get every day there really are so many of them coming from rigid huddle weavers and so I think you're a great resource out there for people who are getting started and learning everything there is about weaving do you have any final parting advice or words of wisdom that you would add to everything you've already said to share yeah um just weave <laughs> mm-hmm. I like it. It, yeah. it really
1: is the key to everything, I think. Happiness, the universe. Uh, I mean, that's a little global and a little strong, <laughs> but um, don't be afraid of wasting yarn, failing, not making pretty things. Um, you will be amazed when you pull that cloth out a year from now that it's not nearly as bad as you judged it. I think weavers are really hard on themselves, people are not good at being beginners. And um, I, I, I love all cloth. <laughs> so it's all good. <laughs> yeah.
0: Thank you so much. I <laughs> it appreciate was a you sharing. Pleasure <laughs> to be here. Thank you. That's a wrap. You can find the show notes, which include photos of Liz's designs and links to the yarn worker community, at slash episode 23. Liz and I really hit it off recording this podcast, and we kept talking after I stopped recording. Both of us hear a lot from Rigid Heddle Weavers that you aren't sure exactly what kinds of yarn you can use for Rigid Heddle weaving. So we hatched a collaboration called the Rigid Heddle Weavers Playbox. That is just for all of you. And after many months of working on it, we are going to be launching it on Friday, January 11th. So stay tuned for that. And until next time, happy weaving!